We continue now with part three of our WrestleMania 37 review show on the Double Turn Podcast with special guest Tom the Thunderous Wizard from Hops and Box Office Flops. Apollo Crews is your new Intercontinental Champion, which led us into the last two matches of the night, which I think we can all agree were the best two things on night two. I don't even think they were close because up to this point, night two was a pretty massive disappointment especially after what we got at night one. So we got Asuka defending her Raw Women's Championship against Rhea Ripley. Now, as I did in the last women's match, I'm going to save my comments for the end to kind of basically sum up what, uh, what this match represents. So I'm going to start with Tom. Rhea Ripley wins over Asuka, so... Uh, the premonition of Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair both holding titles at the end of WrestleMania 37, uh, bringing in the new era of the women's division for WWE. Your thoughts on the match? Um, I know a lot of people were saying this made up for last year of Charlotte beating her at WrestleMania. Um, so just in general, your thoughts of Rhea winning and the match itself? Uh, I thought she should have won last year too. So, uh, you know, Asuka's going to be around and she'll be in the title picture. This just adds more talent to the rotation because honestly, it was getting a little stale within the WWE women's division. Uh, Charlotte versus Becky, Charlotte versus Sasha, Bailey versus Sasha, Bailey versus Charlotte. You know, like they were pretty much doing a, a square dance where they're trading partners for a long time. So now you've reinvigorated the division. You've got two really great talents. Uh, this match was hard hitting. It was good. It had some awkward transitions uh, throughout. There's a couple of rest holds that just look terrible. And I don't know why they were trying to portray them as like, Oh, this must hurt. Like the body lock that we had to suffer through for like two and a half minutes. It's like, this most certainly does not hurt because she's not squeezing her and you can tell. So can we get out of this rest hold now, please? And get back to kicking each other in the face. Cause that was a lot of fun, <laughs> but this match was good. I thought the ending was anticlimactic in that you get the reversal into the riptide game over. We need a false finish there. We need, we need that. Oh crap. She's not going to win. And then a couple minutes later, finish it. But plant the seed of doubt that Oscar is going to somehow still pull this out and you're in for another massive disappointment. If you're a Rhea Ripley fan, like you experienced last year, but no, you don't get that false finish. Now I'm not saying like an AEW match where there's 15 false finishes. Uh, although I love that. Um, but at least one have her kick out of the first riptide plant the seed of doubt. And then you have a perfect match and transition of title. Instead, you just got a mostly really good match very hard hitting exactly what you'd expect from these two and they're they're both stars they're awesome so um i will say that i'm very happy that you brought up the false finish not happening because that to me is what really enthralled me in the bianca sasha match from the night previous when she hit for the 450 on sasha and sasha kicked out I'm sorry. I, I, I thought that was the end of the match. When, when she hit it, I was like, oh, dude, this is it. Sasha's, Sasha's done for. And Sasha kicked out. 
I jumped out of my sofa and I was clapping like crazy because I was like, oh my God, Sasha's going to go over. And that put that, the, 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 the happiness in me, which then sucked the air right out of me. But that's what professional wrestling is supposed to do, right? And it's unfortunate that that moment didn't happen in the Rhea Oscar match because I think that Rhea and Oscar deserved that. Oscar deserved that. Oscar's been a champion for basically the last year. She has run rough shot over that women's division. She has been the end, the co MVP of 2020 into 2021, along with Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. She deserved a little bit better. And I'm not saying that Rhea didn't deserve it. On the contrary, Rhea got what she deserved, and that was the win. But I thought that Asuka, in the same way that Sasha got a good moment, and even Io got a good moment at night one at stand, um, Asuka kind of deserved that too, and I didn't feel like Asuka really got that, and that was kind of unfortunate. The transition of power between uh, Asuka to Rhea should have been bigger than what it was. And I didn't feel that way, and it was kind of disappointing. That all being said, the quality, it was outstanding. I mean, it's Oscar. What, what else could you expect? And then Rhea Ripley has just been on this wave of momentum that just does not seem to assist. It's just insane. From NXT UK into NXT, into beating Shayna, into having the, the banger of a match with Charlotte, into having the banger of a match with Charlotte and Io, and then into having the banger with Raquel, which, by the way, shout out to Raquel. Um, Rhea's just been on this momentum wave that won't stop. I don't see it stopping anytime soon. I don't want it to stop. I don't want it to stop. But so the utmost congratulations, but I'm curious to see where Asuka goes from here. What do you do with Asuka? That's, that's going to be a tough one. And, uh, but I can't wait to see what they do with her because she's been amazing. Go ahead, Ross. So here's, here's the reason why I really liked this match. Um, the ending, I will admit, was a little flat. However, two things. One, the riptide finish is still very, very protected, which I'm totally fine with. Okay. And second, okay, fair or not, and I understand that Asuka has been queen of this division and she has run this division very admirably through this through this COVID era. Okay. I'm going to be very honest with you. The allure of Asuka being this like unbeatable opponent died as soon as Becky beat her. It died. So as much as it pains me to say this, as great as she is and as head and shoulders ability-wise as she is above most people in this division, she's now just another person on the roster. And here's the thing, okay? You're going to put Rhea over. I'm fine with Rhea hitting a Riptide and beating her. Why? Because now Asuka can go back to the drawing board. Because, by the way, um, Asuka was not a heel in this match, was she? Okay, so she's the babyface. So, which, by the way, I'm going to bring that point up after we get to the end of the night because it's another very interesting thing that happened at WrestleMania, which does not happen very often. Um, Asuka's vulnerable. And as a babyface, now she's come up against some of the more prominent people of this division, and she's been beaten. She's been beaten by Charlotte. 
She's been beaten by Becky. She's now been beaten by Rhea Ripley. Now, there's other people she's lost to. I understand that. But in this case, what I'm saying is that Asuka's, as a character, has to evolve past, I'm clearly head and shoulders better than you. Okay? Because guess what? As great as we know she all is, as a character, some of the division has caught up to her. So she has to have that realization moment, okay? That's what I took from this match. Now, again, maybe I'm putting too much emphasis on the story being told of, you know, Rhea, basically, even though she's the powerhouse in this match and the heel in this match, withstanding the flurry of offense from Asuka, who really brought it in this match and made Rhea look like a million bucks. And again, I'm not saying Rhea didn't make Asuka look good, but Asuka... basically doesn't need the help but i thought this match was hard hitting it had great pacing to it i thought even some of the slow parts you're right some of those some of those rest holds were a little rough but you know what in the grand scheme of things it felt a little more real to me because it's okay well i'm trying to beat you down and i've got you in this rest hold and i'm a little tired and you're a little tired but damn it I've got to really just clench this in. It's not as crisp. I want there to be some, I want there to be some realism. I want there to be some, basically, I want these people to look human. Okay. I don't, I don't need a perfect match. Okay. I understand that perfect matches are great to watch. And when there's story and there's great action and everything works, of course, that's what we want. But you know what? Sometimes I'm okay with things going a little bit slow and plotting if it fits what's going on, which is Oscar's realization that, oh, I'm not where I used to be a year ago, six months ago, two weeks ago, right? So that character development, plus you're ascending Rhea Ripley to a spot that a lot of people thought she should have been at a year ago. And yes, would I have liked Rhea Ripley to have the reversal and have a flush riptide and just slam her to the mat? Of course. But I have a feeling these two are going to wrestle again. So when they go through that in the next time, if that's going to be a spot in the match, maybe Asuka does kick out of a riptide. Now, I understand it's WrestleMania. It's the big moment. That's what you want. And I agree with you. If you're going to do that at a WrestleMania, I will endorse that. But for me... If this is longer than just this match and you still want to build from this, I think there are lots of things you can take from this match. And that's probably why I appreciated it more than Sasha and Bianca. And again, I never said the Sasha Bianca match was trash. I never said that. I just have a very specific thing that I look for that happened in the Oscar Rhea match that didn't happen in the Sasha Bianca match. That doesn't mean I think it sucked. It just doesn't mean I think it's an all-time classic at WrestleMania. That's all. So for me, that's where I differ on this main event on the women's side for Raw and the SmackDown women's side main event. That's That's all. I I think that's perfectly analyzed. I'll ask you both one question, and I want a one-word answer. Do you want to see the the rematch between Rhea and Asuka, yes or no? Yes. Tom? Oh, yeah. Okay, sweet. I, I, I do too. I'm down for it. And if they can go ahead and crisp it up just a little bit, that's perfect. Ross, I 
need you to hit me with it, man, because I've been waiting for two and a half hours to talk this match, brother. Go ahead and hit me. Come on. I want to hear it. Main event time. Baby. It's the match that uh, a lot of people didn't think we were going to get. And then we got, and the anticipation was uh, kind of at an all-time high because you have the head of the table, the universal champion, Mr. Roman Reigns, defending his title against the Royal Rumble winner, Edge, and Daniel Bryan in a triple threat match. So let's... uh, there are so many things to break down in this match. First of all, Paul Heyman with a lay hysterical. Yes. I could I could not stop giggling over him wearing that thing. He, also, it, the, it just just hilarious. By the way, the, okay, I'm never going to get over this. The 8K shots, yes, are just they're always so good, and they they do it so good on SmackDown. I don't know what it is about Raw. I don't know they don't use it that much. And it's unfortunate because they really should. Because smack, I don't know, maybe it's just Fox's cameras. They they have the, the setup to do it, but it is mm-hmm. fire, fire. So I'm kind of going to open this up for a little bit of an open discussion. I know we've kind of gone back and forth, but I kind of want to open it up for this last match because there's a lot to talk about. Um, quite frankly, I think there are some things that I'm going to want to pick on in this match. Um, I know the consensus for this match is that it is the best thing on this show. It was a great main event. Some people thought it saved night two. I will say if anything was going to save night two, it was this and maybe the Rhea Oscar match. If you want to kind of combine those two, just being totally better than everything else on night two. But if any one thing was going to save night two, it was going to be this main event. Um, it did deliver on a lot of fronts. Um, triple threat matches uh, as main events of WrestleMania, they do not happen very often. And when they do happen, they end up being pretty good. Um, obviously, we had the one at 20. We had the one at 30. And then, of course, uh, and then, of course, there's this one. And, and the one at 24, which isn't that bad. It's just not as good as 20, 30 in this. Correct. No, correct. So 20, 24, 30, and now 37, because unlike Vince McMahon, we still use numbers to attach WrestleMania to. Uh, so, again, I'm, I'm going to kind of open it up here. I first want to start with the interesting decision to kind of not have Roman Reigns at the beginning of the match and kind of remove him from the title match early on. What were your thoughts on that decision? I'll let TW take this one. I think this match did a really nice job of uh, doing the, the part where you take one element of the equation out for a period of time. So Reigns not necessarily starting it, that, that worked for me. Because uh, it, it really, it, it's almost like the end, the end is just like the beginning, right? Like the outside interference that they thought they dealt with in the beginning is what ends up biting them in the butt in the end. So, and it gave you a moment to showcase Edge and Daniel Bryan just in that, in that little bit. But I'll be honest, I think this match should be very thankful they decided to make it a triple threat. I'm not saying Edge and 
Roman wouldn't have killed it. I think they would have. I think Edge basically stole the show last year with Randy Orton. He's still obviously very good. But Daniel Bryan made this match. So without him, uh, he he was tremendous in this match. And if, you know, all this talk about him being toward the end, he's one of my favorite wrestlers of the recent past. He's an incredible performer. Without him in this match, this isn't as fire as it was. This match really benefited greatly from the pace he brought to it, the intensity he brought to it, and just the the feeling that there was a different style in play. Because at the end of the day, right? I mean, there's even a section where Edge and Roman spear each other. Like, you know, we're waiting for the spear versus the spear or whatever. Like, Daniel Bryan was the wild card, and he brought all the tools out of his out of his tool belt to make this an incredible main event. Um, I think what makes a triple threat fantastic is the different dynamics that you can bring to the match, right? The different combinations that you can have. You can get Roman versus versus DB. You can get DB versus Edge. You can get Edge versus Roman. Um, did I say that already? I'm, I'm not sure. There's so many of them. You, know, you can get all these combinations. That's the whole point. That's what makes it great. What makes WrestleMania 20 so great? The dynamic of you know, Triple H and Chris Benoit have an incredible chemistry and then HBK and Triple H having tremendous chemistry and then HBK and Benoit having tremendous chemistry, right? And then, of course, the moment of, you know, the, the amazing double suplex through the announce table to Benoit, you know, which every single time they do a triple threat, you always have to find a way for two dudes or at least one dude to take out the other in that emphatic fashion. That that moment happened in this match when Roman Reigns powerbomb the soul out of daniel bryan right um i think that roman reigns getting out of the being taken out of the match first built the anticipation of what he was going to do because he is the powerhouse in this match right he's the powerhouse like i I don't think that's to be debated you know you had daniel bryan who was the the ultra baby face that was going to do anything to win and then Edge wasn't the conniving heel. He, Tom, you tell me, was it just me or did Edge have that old man Logan look going on on Sunday and it was working for him like crazy? And not just the look, just the overall demeanor of this old outlaw, you know, wanting to ride one more time. Well, he was certainly, I think, I, it's tough because obviously Daniel Bryan is always the sympathetic leader yeah. that the fans want to win. Right. But at the same time, like, Edge is 46. He yeah. won the Rumble. This was supposed to be one-on-one. Yeah. You kind of like they they wrote this and performed this match in such a way that you you feel so bad for Edge because he's literally going to win the match like three times and this is why false finishes are great. Uh-huh. And Daniel Bryan screws him. Yeah. And that inevitably leads him to do what he does, which is his own downfall. Exactly. I, I couldn't um, agree with you. Boss Ross, hit me, baby. So um, another thing I want to add in here, because even though this was a triple threat, and of course in triple threat there are no rules, basically. Um, you know, you can attack referees. There's 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 no disqualifications. Triple threat rules. Um, for big chunks of this match, this was a fatal four way. Jay Uso was involved heavily in this match. Um, I realized most of it was in the beginning, um, but. A lot of times in these triple threat matches, we don't have a lot of outside interference. Um, I realize that that is the gimmick 
and I realize that Jay Uso has been his right hand man, and I understand that that fits. Um, but what they did was they 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 took Roman out of the match and had Jay wrestle for a little bit, or at least get get involved. And then they took him out of the match, and then Roman was back in. And then they kind of broke up, and they did the spot. You know, they did several spots where you know both guys were involved. You know, you. You talked about the power bomb, and then Edge speared him off the stairs after DB got power bombed. We saw the double submission in the middle of the ring on Roman, and then they were both like, "Oh crap, we both can't win. We have to break this up." And and not only were there several breakups in the match of either you know Edge having the win or Daniel Bryan having the win, and the other guy not only saving the match for himself but basically making sure the other guy didn't win. That is the dynamic that constantly happens in that match. Um, you're absolutely correct. This was not two baby faces in one heel. Uh, I would complain about that, even in a triple threat match. Um, you have to have the heel, the baby face, and the tweener. So the so the match that you referenced before, which was Triple H, HBK, and Benoit. Triple H, definite heel. Benoit, definite baby face. HBK had been a baby face in the in the feud with Triple H was now a tweener because everybody was like, well, we want to see Triple H and Benoit. Why is HBK in here? Even though it makes sense. So even though he wasn't the overt baby face or the overt heel, it fit. That's almost happened in every sense. So Edge embraced the rated R superstar character, which by the way, everybody wants to see anyway, because that's what he that's what we identify him as in his prime anyway. So that was nice. I will say this. I a thousand percent agree with Tom. Uh, there were points in this match where Edge was absolutely gassed. And again, it's not his fault. He's coming back from injury. He's 46 years old. Um, and there are points in this match where I think they realized that Edge versus Roman Reigns in a one-on-one -on -one match, it needed something. And that something was Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan is absolutely the MVP of this match. I, I could not agree anymore with that fact uh that he carried this now again there are things i can critique which i will but i want to get but i want to continue to get you guys' thoughts on um if you thought that the pacing was good um sometimes in a match like that with triple threat and with outside interference it can kind of be a little sporadic at times where things get maybe sped up too much or slowed down too much? Did either of you feel that way in this match? Uh, or did you think it was kind of, there was there was at no point in this match, um, any point where you're like, oh, this match might be dragging, even though it went 20 minutes and some people thought maybe it could have gone longer, maybe a little bit shorter. What are your overall thoughts on, on some of the pacing and timing of this match? Oh, I thought the pacing was absolutely sensational, Ross. Uh, I don't know. Whoever thought that this match dragged must be out of their freaking minds, brother, because I thought that this match was just at a pace that it needed to be, a frenetic pace. You have a guy like Daniel Bryan. You've got Edge, who, yes, I understand may have gotten a little bit gassed and whatnot, but still, a triple threat to me should never be slow. And then you've got Roman, who's the king of being able to slow a match down whenever he wants to, but at the same time, pick it back up whenever he wants to, whenever he feels like it, because that's how he can do that. Um, I don't, I don't see this match having dragged on a bit. I thought 21 minutes was a perfect amount of time. Um, I also, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Maybe Ross is going to ask this question later, but I'll just answer it right now. I thought that the addition of Jay Uso, I thought it was perfectly fine. I actually think it suited this match because 
Roman, you know, if you remember the promo from Adam Pierce when he made the triple threat official, he knew he was getting screwed. You know, not only was Edge getting screwed in this ordeal, but so was Roman. They agreed to have a one-on-one match for the Universal title. All of a sudden, Adam Pierce throws in Daniel Bryan. Like, that's a screw over and a half. So Roman needed an insurance policy, and I thought that the addition of the insurance policy that was Jay Uso in this match was perfectly done. And, you know, Jay, he didn't overstay his welcome. He was in there for a little bit, and he was back in there for a little bit. But the most important thing is that Jay got his ass kicked when he was supposed to get his ass kicked. And that's what he was there for. Because, again, he's supposed to go ahead and be protecting Roman at all costs. So what does that mean? Taking an education on the steps, taking a, a spear, taking a running knee to the face, protecting Roman, making sure that that universal title does not leave his grasp. That was done to perfection. The timing was done to perfection. 21 minutes. I mean, to be honest with you, triple threat matches, Ross and Tom, they never go, if you guys have noticed, they never go past a certain amount of time. Why? Because there's such a high frenetic energy to it that it doesn't need to overstay that welcome because so many things are being incorporated and so many things are happening within that 20 to 23 minute construct that if we were to go past that 23 into the 25 minute mark, at some point you as an audience member and as an appreciator of said match can perhaps, maybe you're going to get gassed and you're going to be like, oh my God, there's so much stuff happening right now that I can't keep up. So I think triple threat matches, if you keep them under that 23 minute mark, I think they do stupendous. You look at 30, you look at 20, and you look at this one, and uh, also you look at Royal Rumble 2015. Royal Rumble 15 went like maybe 18 minutes. That's a perfect suitable amount of time. So, yeah, 21 minutes, the pacing was fantastic. Go ahead, TW. Yeah, it was was paced well. Um, I think the big thing is that, you know, in a triple threat, you don't waste their rest holds or when somebody decides to go sit outside the ring, that's their time to – to get their wind and the other guys carry the, you know, carry the match until they get back. So you don't have as many obvious, like, okay, they're just killing time moments because there's always wrestling going on. I think this movie is, this match was just the right length, probably a little too much outside interference. The way they're booking Roman now, he's starting to look a little weak. He's still the head of the table and Cole still screams that, but he literally just tapped out. He, was on the verge of losing multiple times in this match. I, I, I'm i curious what they're doing with him now. Like, yeah, he's the heel, so you should cheat here and there. But he's almost become wholly dependent on cheating, like, entirely. Yeah, but that's a heel, though. That's what they do, yeah, right? I mean, you look but at Kenny he's, Omega, he's doing the same thing. You can't scream. Yeah, but Kenny Omega's a chicken heel. And he, True. You know, like, Roman's the head of the table okay. and Cole screams it and he's so tough. Fair, and but Bobby Lashley just tapped out. Yeah. But Bobby Lashley's the almighty. Bobby Lashley's the almighty and MVP went ahead and had to distract Drew McIntyre in order for him to lo- hurt, put in the hurt lock on yeah. Drew McIntyre. So, it's, you know, he didn't just tap. True. Like he, he tapped, you know, and he, he, and he was going to lose this. He was the guy that was going to lose this match. So I think at the end, if you don't bring Jay back and he wins on his own, with the, you know, basically because Edge is distracted because he's dealing with Brian, that works better to me than bringing Jey Uso back in again. You get one run in, one good run in. Starts to feel too NWO when you get five of them. 
an NWO reference on this show. I love it. Um, there are times in this match where I think I'm going to say this. I really do. There are times in this match where, and I realize they added Daniel Bryan, but I think there are times in this match where they go, ooh, maybe we made a mistake having Edge win the Royal Rumble. And the only reason I say that is because I think I think we have attached a lot of value to the people that win the Royal Rumble. Because here's the thing, okay? Winning the Royal Rumble is harder than winning Money in the Bank, and yet Money in the Bank is much more advantageous to win, and it's easier to do, and you can cash in whenever you want. Whereas you win the Royal Rumble, you face somebody at WrestleMania, and you had to beat 29 other people to do it. Whereas in a Money in the Bank match, tops, you have seven other people you got to beat and and win a ladder match. I yeah, think... The, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I think they painted themselves into a narrative corner because if it's just him versus Roman, Roman beats him. Uh, yep. it, it doesn't help Edge, really. It doesn't help Roman that much, really. So now you've got the... You set up possible match as well brian you screwed me i want to wrestle you mm-hmm. or i want my rematch with roman but if he just straight up lost like oh. but if he won then it's like well what's he gonna do he wrestles five times a year so i i to me i thought that there were some moments in this match that i think i think i needed to see to me i think i needed to see edge mount a really big comeback like To me, I think I needed to see a moment where Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns take him out, and he's out for like a chunk of this match, and then Edge can come back, and everybody's like, oh, Edge hasn't been in the match for a while. You know, he's going to go rated R superstar and start, you know, going absolutely ham on on, on the two other guys in the ring. It looks like he's about to win, and then he doesn't. And that was missing for me in this match. Now, perhaps I'm overstating that. Perhaps I needed to see certain things happen in this match. I'm not going to take away from the fact that I thought that given the three capabilities of the three men in the match, I thought they did an admirable job. I thought they did quite well. But I'm not willing to say it's, you know, this all-time classic that I keep seeing on the internet, which, by the way, I don't pay attention to what other people rate the matches on. To me, uh, star ratings and other people's opinions to me are like the Rotten Tomatoes of the movie world. I use it as a gauge. I don't use it for anything sincerity-wise when it comes to me enjoying things, which is, oh, this is what these people think. This is what these people think. And some people might have you know different or more informed opinions or more respected opinions than I have, but I don't base it on anything. I base it on what I see. So what I saw was a triple threat match that they got to. They did the best they could. And it was a good match. It wasn't a great match. It wasn't an all-time match. It was the best thing on night two. It was one of the best things on this show. But I've seen better. I've seen a lot better. 
But again, that doesn't mean it sucked. I hate this narrative that it's like, well, if you don't think it's good, then you clearly think it sucked. No, that's not what I think at all. I just disagree with the fact that this is like an all-time classic and something that I'm going to remember for years and years and years. You know what matches I am going to remember for years and years and years? WrestleMania 30, the main event. WrestleMania 20, the main event. I'm going to remember those things forever. Now, it's easier because I was at WrestleMania 30, and I'll never forget that match and The Undertaker losing, but I'm never going to forget those things because of what those matches represented. This was a means to an end of them getting out of a situation with the Royal Rumble and them getting out of adding somebody else to the match. So what I'm interested in is what they're going to do this week on SmackDown. Are they going to have Edge and Daniel Bryan have a number one contenders match? Are they going to have, you know, if they do a beat the clock challenge, I'm going to hurt somebody. Okay. Never again. But seriously, what are they going to do? They're going to have a number one contenders match. Are they both getting a rematch? I, I, that's a good question, dude, because here's the problem that you present yourself with. And it's one of those situations of, okay. Big moments shouldn't always be reserved for big pay-per-views, but God almighty, you can't have Daniel Bryan versus Edge on free TV. That's just not possible. That's too big a match for you to just put free on SmackDown to determine the number one contendership to to Roman Reigns' Universal Championship. You just can't. So I think what they need to do is... I think WrestleMania Backlash is suitable enough to give us Roman versus Edge. And how do you get Edge in there? Perhaps maybe Jey Uso takes out Daniel Bryan, which opens up the door for Edge versus Roman. But then you ask yourself, that's an that's a heel versus heel dynamic. Are we ready for that? Maybe. At the same time, it's Edge. Are you really going to boo him? He's Edge. You can't boo him. So... I don't know. I'm telling you this right now, though. There's no one else I want to see in the universal title picture right now than Edge or Daniel Bryan. And that's saying something because Cesaro is chilling. Big E is chilling. Seth Rollins is just fighting at the bits. Um, But that triple threat match, and by the way, I'm just going to flat out say it right now, that was an all-timer to me. And that's fine that you don't agree with me, Ross. That's perfectly fine. I understand it. I've gone on record already saying that this is the best. Well, I haven't said it on this podcast, so I'm going to say it right now. This was the best main event of WrestleMania since WrestleMania 31. This, to me, was almost on par with WrestleMania 30. Almost. Now, of course, WrestleMania 30 is like, the be-all, end-all, I voted as my greatest triple threat match of all time. Ross nearly crapped his pants when I put 20 at three. Um, and he's still mad at me for that. <laughs> but that being said, like this match, to me, it was an all-time banger. And I thought, uh, you know, you said Daniel Bryan was the absolute MVP of this match. He was. But damn it, give love and respect to Roman, Reign, to Roman and Edge in this match. Because they were terrific. So everybody played their part to a T in this match. It, it, freaking Jey Uso played his part to a T. Paul Heyman played it to a T. Ross, you and I, we talked about this after uh, uh, yesterday when we were on the phone planning for tonight's show. 
I kept on looking when Roman was carrying the title after the end of the match. I kept on looking. They kept on going to the freaking stage. And the fireworks were being set off. There was only one thing and one thing only that I wanted to happen at that moment. It obviously didn't happen, but there was one thing that I wanted. And I think that if you are a true fan of professional wrestling, you wanted this moment too. I absolutely wanted Brock Lesnar to come out in Tampa and have that crowd go absolutely insane for him to challenge Roman Reigns. That's what I wanted. But other than that, this match was such a banger. Go ahead, Tom. Uh, it was certainly the best match of of WrestleMania uh, both nights. And, it, and Daniel Bryan, I, I really hope he doesn't retire anytime soon. I think he's got so many great matches left with so many different people. He's just a great performer um, and health willing. I hope he keeps going for a while. Uh, thing with him, uh, yeah, I want him to get a rematch, but if he loses again, like that's it for him for a while. And that might be the end entirely of him ever getting a title shot. I would like to have like for him to get the belt one last time. Um, obviously, I was pulling pretty hard for him to win here because I just don't think it makes sense for Edge to have the belt. You can't do that. You, I hate part-timers with belts. It doesn't work for me. The belt needs to be defended at least every pay-per-view, but also on live TV. That's what people pay to see. That's what the champion has to do. Um, I will say that it's been a nice change of pace that Edge has been on every show since the Rumble, though. And he oh, did yeah. say yeah. that, that if I'm going to be, if you're going to pay me to be here, I'm going to be here. And he's he's held to that. And I've really appreciated it. And it's made for extremely compelling television on SmackDown every week. Listen, if Edge was healthy, he'd wrestle every week. Right, like, but that's not where his body's at. I, you never question the guy's commitment because you know he's percent. But uh, yeah, I, I think this match was awesome. There's interesting ways to go now. We'll see what what happens next. Uh, but yeah, I, I have no real complaints about the match. But I, I just know, had it been a singles, yeah, we wouldn't be talking about it like this. True. Would we say it was good, probably, maybe. But this was great. Yeah. So I got a question for the both of you. Um, one, it's so actually it's a two-parter. Um, one, were you? Oh, how do I want to ask this? Were you okay with Roman winning? And two, right now in 2021, do we both? Do we all three of us agree that as of right now, this has been the best ma- the best WWE match of the year so far? Because I, Ross and I both stated that fast lane db versus roman up until this point was the best match of the year so far to me this is better than the fast lane match so do you agree and then also are you okay with roman still being the champion right now yes and yes i think roman's got a lot of potential as as champion they should probably keep the belt on him until they can build up somebody that it's going to be like a mega powers collide type event um and you know, Daniel Bryan did what he had to do. He turned him into an even bigger star, and people want to see him lose even more. So, uh, yes, Roman needs to keep the belt. I'm totally fine with him winning this. Uh, Tom's explanation of they need to have they need to have somebody built up to beat him is a thousand percent correct. Um, and Roman needs to hold the title until they do that. Um, as I stated before, and I will state again, I did not think the triple threat was the best match on this show. So I will not say it's the best match of the year. And I thought the Roman Reigns-Daniel Bryan match was better than this triple threat match. That's my opinion. And again, my match of the night 
was the opener. Lashley versus McIntyre on a lot of different levels. So, yes. Is it a good match? Yes. Is it the best match of 2021 thus far? No. Not for me, because I didn't even think it was the best match on the show. So, um, now, before we close, because this has been a long show, and Tom, we want to thank you for joining us again, and I'll let you get your uh, your uh, props in here in just one second. Um, a, is this the best show of 2021 thus far? And or, you know, do you give the, you know, however you want to do it, out of 10, you know, A to F rating, however you want to do it, where do you rank this show now that we've seen both nights, I have a feeling I know where Tom's going to go, so I'm actually going to let him go first. Um, where do you have this show in the 2021 ranking system for WWE? For WWE, uh, yeah, I, I I guess there was enough good in it, but they had two nights to get it done, so it's a little unfair. But yeah, I think it's the best thing they've done because there's out of 14 matches, I like probably eight of them a lot. So that's not so bad. Uh, When's the last WrestleMania you could say that about, right? Uh, yeah. Well, last while. year, to be to be fair, last year, but last year is on a different thing. I mean, it's tough. I mean, this obviously Daniel Bryan's was, I think, the last great, great, great event where he won the triple threat and he won the title. But there's been other good events in between for for sure. Um, yeah, so but this is still only like a seven because there was a lot of really bad filler in it and they buried the fiend. And it's like you just killed this character you've invested so much time in. And he just disappears. There he goes. See you later. He just came back. I just don't understand what they're doing with him. I never have. It it all started with him losing to Goldberg in Saudi Arabia. It's just like Maybe I read a quote from Rhea Ripley where Paul Heyman told her, like, you can be humble, but you can't be silent. And maybe he's just too nice a guy and he doesn't question some of the stupid decisions they're doing. I don't know. But she said that was great advice because she always wants to be humble. She always wants to work hard. But when she's presented with something she doesn't think works, she should tell them. Because if you don't, they're going to do it. So I don't know if that's the case, but I've never seen a guy that had so much juice be ruined to the point of, I don't think you could fix it. Um, for me, Ross, I will go ahead and say, I'd, um, I'd give it like about a seven and a half. So eh, seven and three quarters. I'll go seven and three quarters. I mean, you look at Bobby and Drew killed it. Cesaro and Seth killed it. AJ and Omos versus new day. It was just a highlight because AJ was great. And Omos he clearly did exactly what he was designed for. Braun versus Shane had a massive highlight. Uh, Bad Bunny and Damian Priest versus Miz and, and Morrison was tremendous. Had It was better than it had any right of being. Bianca and Sasha killed it in the main event, at least to me. Um, night two, KO versus Sammy was better than expected. Sheamus versus Riddle was tremendous. Uh, Rhea and Asuka, very, very strong. And the triple threat was, I mean, I just got done praising it right so i would definitely give it a seven and three quarters out of ten up until now i will say that it is the best main roster wwe show of the year so far um i thought the rumble was good but i thought that this was more enjoyable for me than the rumble was um 
just because the women's Royal Rumble was not that strong a match, even though the finish between Rhea and Bianca was very good. Uh, you know, that whole hour, a lot of it dragged and it was and it kind of brought it down for me. So Mania is up there. Um, I thought Stand and Deliver was better. That's an NXT. Okay. But that's an NXT show. It's an so NXT right, so it show. Count. Yep. So count. I just want to make sure to, to note that I was referring to that as a WWE main show. Um, so yeah, WrestleMania to me, best best year, best show of the year so far. All right. So I realize this is going to be cheating, but WWE decided that, uh, well, they're allowing this. So this is the reality. Um, WrestleMania Saturday is the best show that WWE has put on in 2021. I don't want to cop out, bro, but I feel you. Doesn't matter. I don't. Doesn't matter. They called it WrestleMania Saturday and WrestleMania Sunday. WrestleMania Saturday is the best show WWE has put on in 2021, followed by the Royal Rumble. And then where would you put WrestleMania Night Two? Would you put it behind the Rumble, or would you say? Here's the thing. So the Royal Rumble had that atrocious ending to that Roman Reigns Kevin Owens match. Yeah, that that fantastic match got ruined by a terrible ending. And night 2 had like three good matches on it. So if there's a show with better than three matches on a show, I'm probably going to consider it better. So what? Actually, I shouldn't say that. I don't remember Elimination Chamber or Fastlane being that good. Well, the Elimination Chamber the Elimination Chamber matches were very strong. Okay. Um, and the triple threat between Bobby and um, and Riddle and Morrison was better than expected. All right. So here's what I'll say. I'm sticking with WrestleMania Saturday. WrestleMania 37 Saturday is the best thing of 2021, followed by the Royal Rumble. And then and and then basically there's everything else for me. So there you go. Fair. All right. So that is uh that is going to do it for our WrestleMania 37 review show. I'm going to let uh, Tom the Thunderous Wizard do his uh, plugs here for his show. Hops and box office flops. What do you got? Uh, what do you got coming up next, uh, sir? Yeah. So if you're a fan of box office flops, you can find our show on basically all your finest podcast providers. Currently, we are doing uh, hops and our favorite flops. Uh, so this Friday, we are dropping. Pacific Rim. Uh, last Friday we did Godzilla versus Kong because we're doing some movies that are basically coming out on HBO Max because it's fun and I was really hyped for the Snyder Cut so we did that as well and we're going to do Mortal Kombat because I'm super hyped for that. Uh, so we got Fight Club coming up after that. Uh, we got my favorite flop, Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, yeah and if you're interested uh, you can find the show on social media on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Hops and Flops. You can catch up with me on Twitter at WriterTLK. We got a lot of cool stuff coming up. We got a Bruce Willis month. That dude loves making bad movies, and I'm going to love talking about them. So, uh, yeah. So just to, just to add on, just to prop you up even more, um, they talk about movies. They drink beer. It's actually a really fun and entertaining show. We've been on it a couple of times. If, uh, if that's something that is up your avenue, Make sure to go check that out. Again, Hops and Box Office Flops. Uh, go check them out. They are a great show, and they've been a great friend to this show. And uh, Tom has joined us on several occasions, including tonight. So, again, we want to thank you for joining us on this uh, very exciting show, WrestleMania 37. 
Jorge, sir, what do we have on our docket next? Oh my goodness gracious. Our, this month is crazy. So this tonight is the official start of the double turns mashup month, as I like to call it. Um, I came up with that name. Bross didn't really care for it, but I'm going to use it anyway, so it's okay. Um, so uh, next week, uh, our our very good friends, Ultra Heels Wrestling, the Darth Messiah is going to be on with us. Very, very much looking forward to that. Um, coming in, well, not coming in directly. He's going to be joining us via Zoom, but uh, all the way from Jersey, looking very much forward to that. Um, week after that, uh, we'll see if we are joined by our good friend, CP Razor. We're going to be uh, discussing the ruthless aggression era and the current era that we're in now. Uh, you know, comparing them, seeing what the differences are, seeing what the similarities are and the people who have thrived within them. So that's going to be a very fun show. And then right after that, uh, we will have a mega pod with uh, wrestling with respect and through the table all on the same show at the same time, working on a couple of ideas for that. So that'll be a very cool show. And then Ross and I will have the WrestleMania backlash preview and review shows coming up in about four and five weeks time. That's going to be very fun, Ross, as always, because we love doing uh, preview shows and review shows. That's, 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 that's our thing. And for the love of God, I need to catch up. I'm so pissed that I'm down by two this early. I'm just, I'm heated. All hail the Nigerian drum fight. That's really hey, all I'm going to say. Punch. I'm going to punch a ball of cruise in the freaking gonads. Go ahead. You can, uh, you can find this show and every other show since the review show of SummerSlam 2018, the Double Turn Podcast. You can find us on one of our many platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, CastBox, and the Anchor app. You can check out our Instagram page at the Double Turn Podcast. And, and a Twitter page. is coming soon, by the way. A Twitter oh. is coming soon. Excuse me. You're also having a Twitter soon, as I will do my plugs again. The Double Turn Podcast on Instagram, the one and only JMan19, Ross the Real Boss85. You can also check me out on my Twitter at Boss Ross TDT. More fun is coming. Hopefully, not my TikTok, though. I've got eight months to keep up my lead as I'm up by two in the picks. Because, of course, Bianca Belair and Apollo Cruz came through for me like I knew they would. A very exciting show as WrestleMania closes. Now we enter the next stage of WWE. We've got some other shows coming up after mashup and the previews. And, uh, well, we're going to have some some more news for you, and hopefully we get back to some semblance of, uh, well, normalcy when it comes to covering your weekly shows because now there's going to be wrestling every night of the week because the Wednesday Night War is over. Yes. NXT moved. So now Raw NXT, just showed up on NXT, by the way, tonight. With a dumb name, by the way. What's her name now? Frankie Monet. Ah, uh, that's who that is? Uh, no. And, and I don't care if it's Monet. It's stupid. Everybody knows her as Taya Valkyrie. Why can't you just let her be Taya Valkyrie? It's dumb. That is terrible. It's dumb. On that note, for Tom the Thunderous Wizard from Box or from Hops and Box Office Flops, for the J-Man, I'm Boss Ross, and this has been the Double Turn Podcast, and we will catch you on the flip side.